Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Hey, I've got a verse from 2 Samuel 22.2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. And if we only lived life like that, then we would, the life would just change. It would just transform if we just lived our lives like that. So today we got a very special guest back with us again, Jeff Ruby with Red Rock Leadership. He's a local business owner that teaches salesmanship, teaches leadership, teaches management, and really invests in the people that he's training. But I love Jeff's approach because it's all biblical. It all makes a difference. Jeff Ruby, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. You know, it's fun. We, as we were saying, as we're walking in today, you know, we're both cut from the similar cloth. We work too much. We work really fast. Sometimes We're a little impetuous. Would you describe yourself as impetuous? Um, I have to look that up. Could you give me a simpler definition? Uh, making decisions without thinking completely through to the uh, consequence. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Please, I'm just testing it. We're really cut from the same cloth because that, that is definitely how it describes me. Sometimes saying things that you wish you hadn't said and, uh, you know, things like that. What I what I really appreciate, Jeff, is how in the last couple of months, really the last several months, we've, you've come alongside I Work For Him, and now you've, you've joined with these take-the-lead leadership moments. I love that. And I noticed in your blog yesterday, or was it Tuesday, that you that you're – that you're starting classes on take the lead. So talk right. to me about how this has been developing in your mind. Well, you know, we um, about 
first second quarter of the year uh, in 2015, we we did a reset on our leadership material, and so we had a really solid management training program that we really uh, kind of overhauled and, and did a nice little reset on. And when we did that, we ended up calling that series as a six part series. We ended up calling it "Take the Lead," and uh, it's focused on management and leadership. Uh, and as you know, those are two completely separate disciplines that that come together uh at certain points in time and unfortunately a lot of business owners struggle with one or both or the other right Uh, because to lead is not to manage and a lot of people really what i'm seeing with the business small business leaders that i work with every day at trust services is that they like what they do but managing people stymies them they they don't they just don't get people and so they end up stepping over people or they end up misjudging people or, or, or they, but they don't understand that the people make the difference. Right. You know, it, it, it what's interesting is when you look at the profile of a leader, it, generally speaking, it's somebody who's task oriented. And so when you have that task orientation built into to a person's behavior style and, and they have to be they can be charismatic, they can they can give a message. The problem is when they have to get down off the podium and then inter, intertwine with the people, uh, that's where they sometimes will fall, fall down. Well, it takes a, it takes a, a very gifted leader to understand how to how to maintain getting the task moving forward down the field at the same time loving the people to help them get that actual work done. That's right. I mean, a lot of times you have a leader in an organization that is different than the manager in the organization. and it, But it's all about the people. I mean, when we look at the gift that we've been given in the workplace as Christ followers, it's not about the tasks that we're completing. That's right. It's about the people that we've been given to complete it with. Right. So how do you teach that? Well, it's it, it all comes down to our well, own personal awareness. Hey, Jeff Ruby's in the studio with us today. We're talking about leadership management and his whole new program that he's launched this year called Take the Lead. And not only has he got a new program at Red Rock Leadership, he's also got a program on our show every day, a minute long, Take the Lead moment. So, Jeff, as I was asking right before the break, when you look at the, the struggle between a leader who is task-oriented, a manager who's people-oriented, and you try to connect it because we deal with in Tampa Bay a lot of small businesses who the they don't get to have a leader and a manager. They got to have the same person. How do you teach leaders to be managers and managers to be leaders? Well, you know, first and foremost, what it comes down to, we we've discussed it before. It's it's one's level of perseverance. They have to have that willingness to persevere. Once you have that willingness to persevere, then you've got to work on those five key skills that really um, help you remove those emotional outbursts or those you know those, those those times when you may fight or flight. So once you control those emotions and you kind of can separate that out a little bit, you can settle in and then begin to focus on other people. Um, as you said before the break, you know leaders have to be incredibly conscious of their people. That's that that's at the end of the day, it is all about the people, but they also have to be, have the ability to drive toward the goal and be able to see those metrics and, and hold people accountable. So we're constantly focusing on helping them, uh, minimize those level of emotions they have set those goals, but then come back around and understand what it means to coach. There's five steps to coaching. So, you know, when coaching doesn't work, how do you harness? And then, you know, how do you truly build a team with trust, you know, and with with the surrounding them with collaboration, which builds trust. So by by doing those things through a series of 
of courses over about a six-week period, along with some one-on-one coaching, we we do see uh, quite a bit of advancement in, in the folks that we're working with. So if you work with somebody today and you take them through those five, six courses that you've got for management and leadership, how often do you get to follow up with people six months later and do a 360 review with their people to find out, hey, how did the coaching work? I mean, how did it work, the training? Do you ever get a chance to test drive the people that are now reporting to that leader or manager that you put in charge? Well, we're blessed. We, uh, in the six years we've been in business, we, we still have clients we worked with that, that we brought on board six years ago and are still working with us today. And, and so what ends up happening is people don't just normally don't work with us just for one class or, or a series of classes. It's it's typically an investment they make. It's something that the, it's a long play. So when they come through, take the lead, that's setting the foundation. But then what we do is we work with them on an ongoing basis through some through some pretty heavy duty coaching. So the answer to your question is, yes, we we're, we're able to see those results. And then we're actually able to see the uh, what happens when those people multiply and, and you know, they begin to drive the organization organization grows, then they bring other people on and they train in the same way. So we've seen companies go from literally less than a million to $25 million over the course of a five-year period simply because the owner of the company made a decision to become a leader. Hmm. Well, that's powerful. If you could, And if you could bottle that all up, oh yeah, you have in the Take the Lead program. I love that. That's why you want to get involved with Red Rock Leadership. Look them up online at redrockleadership.com. And that's what I love about all of this, Jeff, is we're we're talking about principles, and we can all learn to be better leaders and all learn to be better managers because, men, if you're listening, you're leaders in your own household. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, you're managers in your own household. So it's something that we, everything you're teaching applies everywhere people go. But I love the fact that you do all of this with a biblical perspective. Hey, I want to take a break right now and do our our book highlight segment, which is brought to you by MTL Magazine. MTL Magazine, our friends at mtlmagazine.com have worked hard to put together an amazing magazine and a website that helps us grow in our faith as they highlight authors, artists, books, movies, and so much more. MTL Magazine represents more to life. And our friends at MTL believe that there is a Christian product that will help you get more out of your life in Christ. Whether you're looking for resources about faith, family, relationships, money, health, the world, or everyday life, MTL Magazine is an excellent resource for me, and I know you'll love it too. You'll find more to life, more to life, get it, MTL, more to life at mtlmagazine.com. Hey, I wanted to highlight a book today, and we'll give away a copy of this book. It's, it's one of my favorites about a leader who is went through the transformation just like Jeff just described. It's called The Business Card, written by author and a good friend of mine, Dr. Steve Steff. It's about a guy named Peter who went through, a, he really went to a three-day silent retreat and all of a sudden realized, hey, I'm kind of a creep at work. I don't even know anything about people at work and I'm failing, my marriage is failing, I'm struggling, everything's a mess. And he found a need for Christ at this three-day silent retreat, came back, and his life being changed by Christ, his company was transformed, and it impacted thousands of people around the world. It's a great story, and it's all about him putting his faith on the back of his business card. He put his core value statement on the back of his business card, and he stood by it even in very difficult times. So that's The Business Card by Dr. Steve Steff. This book, again, The Business Card by Dr. Steve Steff is a fantastic... I've given this book away dozens of times. It is a story about a life transformed and the impact not only on business 
the business owner, but his employees. And literally, this is a business that still is in, in business, just up in North Carolina, transformed that community and re, uh, businesses in India and all over the world because of the testimony of this one guy. A great story. All right, we're back with Jeff Ruby with Red Rock Leadership, talking about right at the beginning of the show, just the difference between leadership and management. And Jeff, you said that leadership, those leaders, people who are leaders are typically task-oriented and managers have to be people-oriented in order to be successful. And you're talking about this integration of leadership and management, which I know that that wasn't exactly the topic we're going to go on, but I love the way you hit off on that. Talk to me about some of the examples of people that you, that came to you. Don't use names so we don't, you know, we got to protect the innocent. But people that came to you who are maybe great leaders that needed to be managers or great managers that need to, that needed to be great leaders and, and how their lives were transformed. Well, I, I think what comes to mind is I'm thinking of a, a an individual right now that's that that, that runs a very pr- profitable and, and 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 decent company, uh, and you know has a has a vision uh, for where he wants the company to go, um, and really is one of those guys that just epitomizes in ter- epitomizes leadership in terms of what you see from the outside. However, when you get when you get involved in inside the business, what you begin to see is that there's not a lot of accountability. There's not a lot of um, of day to day management. You know, leadership's conceptual, management is tactical. And so one of the one of the things that you know I, I'm trying to work with him on is understanding that as you work with your 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 managers who report to you, your direct reports, you have got to you've got to coach them. And coaching is a function of management. And um, you know, even though you cast a vision and you point towards that vision and you and you help that organization, what is it? One time I hear. Uh, uh, Tom, who works with me, says leaders know the way, show the way, and go the way. And so you got to do all three of those things. And so if you don't, what you end up doing is you end up hindering the growth of your organization, not just profitability-wise, but if the people don't grow, then eventually you plateau. So um, what I'm trying to say is, you know, I've got this one particular business owner who who is really a really good leader, respected. However, his day-to-day management skills are really, really lacking. So we we come back in and we help hone those for him a little bit. Well, and as an organization grows, a lot of times you can have a leader, a vision caster, and an execution guy, a guy like me that's a COO type that could do the management side, but I'm not a visionary. I'm not a guy that comes up with a lot of great new ideas all the time. Although occasionally I have that bright spot, but then I have to give credit to the Lord because I never have those. But to be able to lead and manage at the same time is just kind of an art. So as we you know, when we move into the next segment, I want to kind of take on some of the topics that you're drilling down on on your take the lead moments. I think that'd be kind of fun to discuss some of those and and drill them out a little bit deeper because in your take the lead moments, you only get a minute. And we've got some segments here that we could talk about those. That'd be great. And I want people to get an update on how Christ is making an impact on your life. Okay. Great. All right. Cool deal. All right. Listen, we're talking today with Jeff Ruby. He's with Red Rock Leadership. You can find out lots more about their Take the Lead program at redrockleadership.com. This is a program that is I work for him endorsed. This is a great program, biblically based and centered. And that's fantastic. And so is their leader. All right. We're talking today with Jeff Ruby from Red Rock Leadership. Jeff, as we've been talking about your Take the Lead moments I want to step back for a minute because I didn't ask you my normal question. How is Jesus making a difference in your life today? Well, you know, I have to tell you that God's grace abounds. And um, despite my weaknesses and despite the busyness of my day, he keeps me on track. So 
Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm blessed by the fact that I've got a, a daughter that's doing very, very well up at FSU, and I've got another daughter who's doing very, very well as a senior in, in, in high school. So what, I, what I'm just giving, um, giving all the praise to, to God about today is the fact that my family's doing very, very well. And the fact is the business is thriving. And with that, my wife being my, uh, my helper by my side, I, c- I couldn't do it with, without, without, without the Lord. So um, that's what Jesus is doing in my life today. I just, I'm just going to give all the glory to my family and, and, and give glory to, to God for, for that and what he's doing for me in my family and through my business. It's cool to have a great family and, and just enjoy those last years with your kids at home because when they leave, oh, my word, I hate the fact that my kids are so far away. It just drives me crazy. So talk to me about these take the lead moments as you've been developing them and we're playing a different one every day and, and I what I love is that they're really from your heart I mean they're really speaking something that's at the at a core of what you are you've got well it, let's let's just you, you talked about one that's the ability to create a team and and being a team you know I, I'm about ready my business his way group tomorrow morning we're which is our roundtable discussion group for small business Christian small business owners we're talking about are you hiring a staff or are you building a team? And it's such a huge, huge difference because sometimes people are just hiring to fill a hole and other times people are strategically orchestrating a team member that will make a lifelong difference in a business. Do you see business owners struggling with that differentiation? They, definitely. When we sit down and work with a leadership team, the first thing I always ask is, what are your core values? What is your mission? If you'd be surprised at the number of leaders leading an organization that don't have a don't have a clue, and then as they sit and stare at the ceiling for a minute, I have to say, let me just clue you into something that profit's not a core value. So many times, and we're all guilty of it, we get in the trenches and we're going so hard. We're, we're trying to pay the bills. We're trying to make payroll. We're trying to post a profit. We're trying to develop that next product, get that next PR post out there, whatever it might be, and inevitably we end up throwing bodies at our problems or at trying to create solutions. I think the thing we have to remember in leadership is we have a unique ability, unlike anybody else that's that's working today, if you're in a true position of leadership, by the way, that doesn't have to be at the top level of an organization. It could be anywhere. It could be right at the bottom. It could be the janitor. You have a unique, uh, you've been uniquely purposed with guiding others, leading others, showing others the way, uh, a better way. And so when you, when you recognize that's your responsibility and turn that into the art of just being a servant, uh, the rewards just become so much greater. So, you know, to, to build a team means that you've got to be focused on your mission. You have to be focused on your core value. When your core isn't, when, when, the, when your core and your body isn't strong, what happens to your posture? Your posture ends up getting very, very weak. Well, I see the same thing inside of an organization. If, if, if the core of the organization, starting with the core values and the, and the core of leadership, isn't tied in and, and they aren't, it's that, that's not tight and strong, well, then guess what? The posture, the way people carry themselves, the way you carry yourself as a leader, the way your people carry themselves, they end up just becoming people. Uh, and, 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 you know, great book. We both lo- love it. Away the Shepherd, right? Mm, and, oh, and, love that book. I couldn't get Kevin Lehman to do an interview on it, though. 
Well, but, you know, it's such a great book. And if we're left to their own devices, we as people just become sheep. And so we need a shepherd. We need somebody to lead us. And so recognize if you're a leader, you've got a unique responsibility. You're not just hiring people. You're building a team, no question. Well, and you mentioned in one of your your take-the-lead moments that strong leaders who are encouraging and approachable attract loyal followers. but they And that they create synergy by creating a win-win environment. How do you create synergy amongst people that you bring in from all these random places in culture? Remember, there's three levels that, that I talk about, there, of, of really three levels of maturity. James 1.4 says, let perseverance be finished so that you may become mature and complete in all that you do. So remember something, there's three phases of maturity. There's that level where you're dependent, and that's that's where you're dependent on, upon other people for the, how you feel. We call those folks laggards. There's loners. Those are the people who build silos. They're very dutiful win people. But then there's those people that are leaders. They're win-win people. Those people are the people that have the highest level of perseverance. The way that you bring people into your organization is, remember, hire your people based on your core values, and then measure them, and then shape them and lead them always based on your core values. You know, I say hire and fire based on your core values. If, if you find people who match and can agree with your core values and are willing to be measured your core values, they will enter into your circle of trust. They'll lead you and go anywhere that, that, that you want them to go if you all believe in the same cause and the same mission. Well, and you mentioned trust because you're saying that synergy can only exist when there's trust. And so building trust with, you know, when you're hiring, we, we just completed, Martha and I just hired three new people and you don't get, and we took over a team that existed. You don't get trust just because you hire people. Not you, at all. You, you have to earn trust. I mean, trust is one of those things where, you know, sometimes it could be easy and sometimes it can be extraordinarily difficult. Depends on what the background is of the person that you're dealing with. How, how do you train leaders to build, to take advantage of synergy, that, that common core values that you're talking about to create trust? You know, it's interesting is around Tampa Bay, we're the, we're the capital of small business, right? Everything. We, I think we really are. We, I, I, we have to be. I mean, it's just around this area, we're, we're just surrounded by folks who are running businesses ranging from five to $50 million. And so what ends up happening is inside of that business, we're so used to hiring people, putting them in a seat and, and set them behind someone and say, here, just watch what they do for a couple, two, three days. And then, then you'll be uh, ready to do your job. And sometimes they get a job description, sometimes they don't. And the advanced level companies that we see out there, they actually have job descriptions. But the thing that's missing across the board, and hear me on this one, this has been a game changer. When you bring an employee into your organization, you absolutely have to have an onboarding process. And I mean a, a very detailed two, three, four week onboarding process where those people that come into your organization, they are, they, their, their days are planned out. And when they come in, your whole goal for the first two, three, four weeks of someone's employment is to get them bought into your company and to your, your company's belief system. It, I would even refrain from teaching them anything technical about the job for the first two, three, four weeks depending on the, on the, on the job that you're training for, but let that person bask in the, in the, in the culture of the organization so that they become threaded into the organization. That's the, that's the most important thing you could ever do as a leader or as a manager is make sure your people are bought into the culture. Threaded into the organization. You heard it right here. And I work for him. Really what you're talking about is building a tapestry of people. 
Absolutely. You're, you're weaving them together. Absolutely. To create a great big picture that will solve other people's problems. Absolutely. I like that. That's good. You should write a book. It's in progress. It is? <laughs> Do I get credit for bringing that up on the radio? Okay, all right. But I like that. What, asking that question, what's the onboarding process? Because I know that we can all look to our own past and look at the jobs that we started. And day one, we had orientation, and we got through our benefits papers. And day two, the, we were thrown into the fire because they desperately needed us four weeks earlier or four months earlier, and now they just need us. And so right. they don't take time to train you or and orient you or weave you into the tapestry. They just kind of throw you in and go, help. Right. And, and that's that's tough on people. It's tough on people's psyche. Well, what people then end up doing is they, they end up defaulting to their comfort zone. So uh, people-oriented people become more people-oriented and task-oriented people become more task-oriented. And then you reach the dilemma when you try to really make sure that they are uh, becoming leaders in the organization. Now you run into an issue because they've settled in their own comfort zone, built their own silo, and they're just they're just loners inside your organization. We're having a great, fast-moving conversation with Jeff Ruby from Red Rock Leadership. Jeff's a constant. He's just always contributing to the I Work For Him show. And the last couple of months we've had him back on, we're just really focusing on the leadership impact on businesses and what Red Rock Leadership can do to help your small business succeed in those areas. And today we're just kind of focusing on Jeff's new Take the Lead program. And he's breaking that up into different take the lead moments on every I work for him show as we go forward. And it's just been great, Jeff. We, we really got tied into the difference between leadership and management. We got a lot of people signing in right now. They're just tuning into the show. So let's just break that out. You said that leaders tend to be task oriented and managers tend to be people oriented. But then you also said that leadership is more conceptual and management is more tactical. Those are big words. So explain that a little bit. Explain leadership versus management. Well, when I say that leaders tend to be more task-oriented, I think what you end up finding is is the, the people that are assuming the role of leader tend to be task-oriented people. That, that doesn't mean, so I want to make sure that anybody listening understands that it, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that if you are a leader, you must be task-oriented. I'm saying that task-oriented people generally assume that position. They rise to the top. Yeah. Because something needs to get done and nobody else is doing it. So they're like, I'll do it and I'll just get everybody else to follow. They're me. problem solvers. Right. And, and so those 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 people end up kind of taking charge. Well, what ends up happening is they're least likely to delegate. And when they do delegate, it gets a little ugly because that's really not delegation. It's dumping. And so <laughs> um, it, so that, 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 become, that brings a challenge to their management skills. Uh, the... The big words that I'm using, conceptual, right? Leadership, you can't touch it. You can't touch leadership. It's, what is it really? It took me, I, when I formed the company name Red Rock Leadership, I confess all the time, I really, it took me about a year and a half to really understand that leadership is something you can't touch. Management, on the other hand, it's 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 much more tangible. It's, you can you can see it. You can put it on a spreadsheet. You can measure against it. So that's that that's how you break those words down. Wow. I never thought about the fact that leadership is kind of an ethereal kind of a concept because it it happens or it doesn't happen. I mean that's really what you see. I mean, management you can you have to be intentional to be a manager. Leadership sometimes you can I always tell people, listen, I don't do a lot of volunteering because I always end up leading because because of the frustration that stuff's not getting done and I can't stand to have stuff not get done, so I just naturally just want to help get it done. Well, and watch this. So the one thing that has to happen for you to allow other people to do what you know you can do better is 
trust them. Yeah, trust is a big deal. And so we were talking about trust and how does that enter in? Well, you know, every, it's so many different ways to look at this and there's so many paradoxes involved, right? When, when you're looking at becoming an effective leader, you have to trust to be trusted. Well, and really, in order to build a team, trust is central to building a team. There's no such thing as team if there's no trust. It doesn't doesn't exist. That's where the whole idea of the trust fall came from. Hey, somebody stand up on a chair and just fall backwards into the arms of your teammates. <laughs> we right. used to do that with youth groups. And every once in a while, some smart mouth kid would you know, do a swan dive or accelerate or just try to break through the arms of the people. But it, it is, trust is one of those things that, you're right, you have to extend trust in order to gain trust. And a lot of managers and leaders, because delegation is work, they do, you do find it, well, it's just easier if I just do it myself. I'm like, really? You're just the stupidest person I've ever heard because you're never, ever going to grow your company if you just keep doing it all yourself. That's right. But it is, it takes time to train people to do things. I mean, that's the argument. Well, it's going to take me twice as long to tell somebody how to do this. I'm like, exactly. But the next time it will take you a third as long. And the next time you won't have to do it at all. Right. But that's a tough concept for people to really recognize. I don't think business owners in general and, and leaders really understand the concept of leverage, to bring another word in. I mean, you know, when when you become an effective leader, you uh, you have to leverage. And how do you do that? You take you take activities that are highly, highly qualified activities and you leverage it against them. So and it, and it helps if you can put qualified people on those qualified activities and allow them to do it. And um, that just, for some people, that's a tough, that's a tough pill to swallow. Well, oftentimes when I'm working with those small business owners, I, I, I tell them, listen, don't focus on the qualifications, the skills of the people that you're hiring. You know, I'm always telling people, hey, the person that's been most successful in the position that you're hiring for, what was their personality type? Match the personality types. Do a disc profile on somebody or Myers-Briggs, whichever you're, you're like best. I always love learning their love languages or managed by appreciation. I always like to see, can they actually type? Because in today's world, if you can't type, you need to get a job outside because you need to type in any position in an office today. And, and, I, and I always recommend that they allow the people that are going to work with the person gets a chance to interview the person. Because how are you going to build that team and build that trust? But it is such, when, when you talk about the team, every team has its own personality. No question. But... But there's a lot of people listening right now who aren't the leaders of the team. They're not the managers of the team. They're the people on the team, and they're frustrated with their managers and their leaders. Let's talk about some ideas. Let's flip the turn on this, and uh, and how can we help them help their managers and leaders? How can we how can we turn that conversation and help them? Because I know there's people frustrated out there. Raise your hand if you're frustrated. Only one, though, if you're driving. I'm going to... I'm going to allow you to uh, let me talk about Nemo. Do you remember Finding Nemo? Absolutely. Somewhere toward the end of that movie, you may remember that after they swam all the way through... Nemo's dad. Right. Across the whole Bering Strait or whatever the... the, With all the turtles and the the cross current. And they they got there and the the boat drops the net down and, and all the fish are caught in the net. And remember, Nemo's dad's on the outside of the net. And so if you're listening, I don't want, I don't want to lose anybody. So just, just picture yourself inside that net. It's like being a a person inside the organization and, and what's happening. It's just mass chaos inside that net as all these fish are just 
you know, ra- randomly swimming. Yeah, just they're different- swimming against the outside of the net. They're just trying to get, everybody's trying to do their own thing to get out. Right. And, and it, some of them, you know, don't even know what they're doing. They're just, they're, they're panicked because everybody else is panicked. So in my mind, this is an extreme vision of what it might look like inside of an organization. But mm-hmm. one fish, Nemo, began to. No, Nemo's dad. Well, Nemo stepped forth and, and started to become a leader. Now, Nemo's dad was saying, Nemo, get out of the net. Oh, I forgot. At the end, it was Nemo's dad on the outside, and Nemo got on the inside as right. they're swimming away. I forgot and, about that. Okay. And Nemo's dad said, get out of there, son. Get out of there. And Nemo said, no, dad, I'm not, I'm not getting out. I'm staying inside the net. He's staying there with all his people. And he began to yell to the people, swim down. This, the people, the fish, the swim fish. down, swim down, swim down. And little by little, he began to convince the people around him. He gained the trust of the people around him. And those people began to gain the trust of the other, of the other, of the other fish. And then what ended up happening is all those fish began to swim down. And what happened? They broke the net free. But because of one person made a decision to, to, to just step up and be a leader. And Nemo was just another fish. He wasn't anything special. Of course, he was special to us because we were watching the movie and we knew he was special. But to all the fish, he was just another fish. So I want you to think that when you're inside of an organization, you absolutely have an, uh, the ability to impact the people around you. You have a decision. You have a choice to be positive or negative. You have a choice to help fix a problem or watch a problem de- or watch something deteriorate. You have a you have a decision to get there early or to get there late. You have a decision to help someone or overlook something. We we have decisions inside of organizations. So you have the ability to be a leader anywhere inside of an organization, whether you're on the top or the bottom or somewhere in the middle. Well, and I think those are the words that people need to hear is that to recognize you can make a difference. And we're talking to a lot of people listen to the show because of, you know, the orientation of the show. We're, we're our Christ followers. People are going, hey, Jesus has made an impact on my life. I really think he should be impacting my life in my workplace, but I don't know how to do it. And all I all I do is type things or all I do is file things or all I do is whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. You could be a janitor. It doesn't matter. We can all make an impact and we could all make a difference. I mean, there's a lot of stories out there floating around where people at the bottom bottom end of the totem pole make huge impacts, whether it's with the customers or whether it's with other people within the organization, because they're willing to recognize, hey, I can make a difference right where I'm at. No question. You, you remember this. If you're a believer in the workplace and you're wondering what you just said, rest assured, people are watching you. People are paying attention to you. And, and what they see is they see your reputation. What develops your reputation is your character. And what is your character? It's what you do when other people aren't looking. So be careful to, uh, to, to, to try to be something that you're not in front of people. Why don't you make a decision to, to work on your character, work on those, those attributes so when, when you get in front of somebody, the attributes, so be trustworthy, be above reproach, be straightforward, have a vision mission in your own life. So when you go to work, you can be in that approach state. You can be that person that people look at and say, there's something about that person. I don't know what it is, but their reputation is saying something to me. And that's just a reflection of your character. Well, and that's one of the things when I tell tell business owners, all right, check out their their personality type, love language, make sure they've got you know at least typing skills, but then to look at character. But identifying somebody's character in a job application process is difficult because you don't get to see people in action. That's the value of calling references. But references sometimes don't tell you the truth. But so that's why Martha and I built in to our 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 hiring practice a lot of tests and follow-ups along the way to see if people follow up and they do what they say they're gonna do. And we put a lot of onus on them to try to earn the right for an interview. 
and even after the interview to follow up, and then we bring them in on site for a test drive. But to be able to, I, what kind of a character do they have? That's very wise. That's very wise. That's called behavior-based interviewing. And so you can tell There's somebody. There's a name for it? Oh, yeah. You can. And I thought I made it up. Oh, somebody already made it up. But the way that you can test someone's character is make them make them behave and have them behave. And put them in situations that is that are realistic situations and see how they behave. Yeah, it's powerful to be able to see. You know, you always want, sometimes you want to just stick a 20, just lift, leave it on a desk and just see who's going to pick it up. <laughs> but I feel like that's a little unfair. But but I've thought about it. You know, it, it's, people are make such a huge impact. And as leaders and managers, you and I are, are leaders and managers in our own organizations. We're both. We have to, we're cast a vision where we both have to work in the business and work on the business. And so there's there's lots of tasks, but the people that work for us really need to know that they're loved. As a manager, if you're going to build trust with people, you have to love people. And what I'm surprised at by a lot of business owners is how, uh, what's the right word, mm, very, uh, okay, the relationship with their people is very just, it's all about work. They don't know anything about people personally. They never ever, hey, let's have a dinner where people come over and we just get to know people outside of the office. I can't think of the word I was looking for, but just, it's, it's just... It's kind of like going buying a generic medicine. You know, what does it really say? Well, I know it's going to do the job, but I don't really know much about it. You got to get to know your people. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, do you ever do stuff like the activities with all your people outside of the workplace that actually where they involve their spouses, significant others, children, where you can actually get to know people? Very much. We, as a matter of fact, uh, this coming Monday, I'm going off site. Uh, guy that works with me we're going to go off site and uh we're going to go ride some go-karts and uh spend some time in the afternoon solving a couple issues that we have uh going on inside of some of our materials and so yeah we we do that one of the things that we do we, we bought a uh here's a here's a little tip for somebody uh go out and buy a nutribullet and and here's why buy a nutribullet and then go up to sam's and buy or anywhere to, to buy some frozen uh frozen fruit and things like that some put some protein powder because here's the thing it take people have to go in the kitchen and they have to make a smoothie and so what what i found is that when people are doing that they'll chit chat and you can it gives you reason to stand around you're you're being productive but little things like that put a break room in your office go off site for quarterly planning so let's just finish up with just for the people listening today that aren't the leader they're not the manager how can they build trust with their coworkers, how does that? How can we start them off? I'm going to give you a really simple way to address this. There's two states that you can choose to be in. You can be in what's called the avoid state, or you can choose to be what's in called what's called the approach state. Remember, the avoid state. When you slip into the avoid state, you slip into that because you're uncomfortable in your surroundings. So you must persevere in order to remain in what's called the approach state. And the difference between the two is this. When you're in the avoid state, your energy is drained. When you're in the approach state, you get energy. When you get energy, you're able to give energy. So when I talk about energy, I'm talking about that that positive vibe that you give. And not, not an artificial one, but one that's genuine and sincere. And the best way to do that is just to give back, take care of people love on people, encourage people. I would tell people all day long, put nine dimes in your left pocket. By the end of the day or by noon, all nine of those dimes needs to be in your right pocket. And each time that you encourage somebody, move a dime from one pocket to the other. If you do that, you'll remain in the approach state. You'll build trust. 
Wow. All right, we've come to the end of another I Work Rim show. Jeff, great conversation. We're, we're going to have to do this again. I mean, this is just really a lot of fun. And thank you so much for doing these take the lead moments on I Work Rim. My People pleasure. have lots thank of stuff. You. They want to find out more about Jeff Ruby and Red Rock Leadership. Go online to redrockleadership.com. All right, thanks so much for tuning in today on the I Work For Him show with Jim Brangenberg. Thanks so much to Ace Andrews. Did a great job keeping us all on time today, making sure that I'm, I hit all of my ins and outs. Thanks to our show sponsors, Red Rock Leadership, Most Insurance, Bel Air Wealth Management, and servicesbytrust.com. Hey, when you get home today, would you consider going out to iworkforhim.com and joining the I Work For Him nation? When we come back from the break, I want to tell you about why you should join the I Work For Him Nation. It fits right in what we talked about today, because we're going to take the city. We need to pray. You know, we learned today that we can make an impact on our workplaces by building trust at the bottom levels. You can be a leader right in your own cubicle. You don't even have to have a cubicle. You can just have a desk, but you can be a leader. But we have to be intentional in building trust. And let me tell you, by joining the I Work For Him Nation, it is going to facilitate you becoming a leader, building trust with your people. And it starts by praying for your coworkers and employees each and every day. It starts by looking for ways to serve them in the workplace, going beyond your, the call of duty, beyond the service that you're being asked to do, and go beyond it with your people. Looking for ways to befriend people outside of the workplace. Look for ways to pray with people when they're down and out, but all along being the best, the brightest example of a person in your workplace. So that everybody looks at you and goes, hey, what's wrong with you? And you say, hey, I joined the I Work For Him Nation. I serve Jesus Christ right here in this workplace. You can say whatever you want to say, but that's what I want you to do. Join the I Work For Him Nation tonight. Go out to iworkforhim.com. Click on the I Work For Him Nation tab. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.